0: for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a mid-coast main boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740.
1: The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, except that is offline right now for repairs. But we are, as always, streaming everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your host, Alan Sprague, and Mike Joyce in absentia today is up next.
2: Good morning. It's uh, Tuesday morning, second Tuesday of the month. Ten o'clock time to tune. uh, tune, Time for this show, boat talk. Um, uh, Time for boat talk here on community radio, WERU FM, Blue Hill, eighty-nine point nine, ninety-nine point nine, in Bangor. Around the wet world at (coughs) WERU.org. Boat Talk is the call-in show for people contemplating things navel, with uh, only one anchor today. Your rusty anchor, Alan Sprigg, is here um, on a single anchor today, so that means that the show may be a drag, if you get my drift. We're going to uh, do uh, welcome, though. Welcome, uh, Giffy Full, our, our special guest and color commentator, is here to welcome to Boat Talk, Giffy. Uh,
3: thank you and it's good to be
2: here. Yep. Yep. Uh it's always good to do boat talks all kinds of things to talk about. Let's start off though with uh talking about the ladies. We don't I must apologize that we don't have enough women on boat talk to talk about all the things that women do on the water nowadays and the um, IMO which stands for the International Maritime Organization. That's the a big organization that uh controls how shipping is run and built and uh, surveyed and all that stuff for uh, big tankers, Uh, the container ships, roll-on, roll-off. All the big boats around the world are uh, under the auspices of the IMO. And uh, they also recognize various uh, captains in the organization. And this year's 2016 IMO Award for Exceptional Bravery at Sea was awarded to a woman for the very first time. Long overdue, but there's an award that goes out to uh, Captain Radinka Menon, who uh, rescued seven fishermen off the coast of uh, India in uh, some really bad weather. She, uh, the fishermen were adrift for quite a few days. Their engine had failed and they they lost their anchor in this severe weather. So they were out drifting around. uh, The food and water on their boat had all been washed overboard, so they were surviving on the the ice that was in the fish lockers. That that must have been tasty, but you gotta do what you gotta do. But anyway, uh, Captain Menon uh, spotted the boat and initiated a rescue operation uh, using the pilot boarding ladder off the side of the boat and in heavy weather, it must have been quite a trip. It uh, took, him, took her three three passes, three tries to pick up all the seven by then weak and starving fishermen on the fishing boat. They were aged from age 15 to 50. The, and their, the fishermen's families had already written them off. They had been gone for so long they, th- they thought they were all lost. So anyways, Captain Menon receives the 2016 IMO Bravery at Sea Award, Exceptional Bravery at Sea Award. She's the first uh, Indi, first female in the Indian Merchant Marine and the first female to re- receive that award. W- women, uh, I think, you know, there's certain uh, personality traits of a lot of women that I think make a for a good captain being able to deal with a lot of different people and uh, multitask very well um, giffy has known a few women yes i'm
3: i go back several years when uh, i've met women that were skipper and professional skippers and fairly large yachts and uh, did an excellent job uh, also uh, should be pointed out that uh, women have uh, graduated from Maine Maritime Academy gone to sea and wound up serving as master and uh, also uh, as pilots uh, just as capable as anybody else it's just a question of having the opportunity
2: that's it the opportunity is what yeah. reason why the award hasn't been uh, awarded earlier is because uh, the, the per certain uh, prejudices against women on the water, but now we we know those are just plain stupid. (laughs) So uh, you said women pilots. I don't think I've met any women pilots. uh,
3: I'm not good uh, on names now, but uh, there's uh, one lady that uh, graduated from Maine Maritime Academy several years ago, and and she is... uh, if she's not retired, she's a pilot on the, I believe, on the Columbia River. Uh, she served as master and then went on to a,
2: a job as pilot.
3: Uh
2: uh-huh. Does the Columbia River have a big bar across the middle? It most
3: certainly does. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh,
2: makes yeah, it yeah, rather treacherous. Yeah, treacherous, and they
3: they use pilot boats and helicopters there, I believe.
2: Helicopters to lead the boat in
3: no no to put the pilots aboard. board uh, oh yeah, okay yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, uh, hmm.
3: yeah. I've, I've only been out there once and i i'm not really experienced uh around there but uh it's uh, it can be very treacherous there yeah
2: yeah i've seen seen some videos i've never been there um Speaking of women on the water, though, if you are listening now and you happen to be a female and have any good suggestions for a future boat talk that involves women, I certainly would like to extend the invitation to anybody who would like to to come on and talk about the, uh, the fairer sex. Going to... Um,
3: well, there's a lot of um, lady sailors that people don't even know about. They are just, um, they have sailed thousands of miles, and, uh, just, like I say, just as capable as anybody else, and, oh, yeah, and, uh, just met a la- lady, uh, the last few days that, um, uh, is now alone, and she's going sailing by herself, huh. and, uh. Perfectly capable. Been sailing all her life.
2: Yeah. yeah. Once you get used to being on the water, it's uh, you're you're yep, comfortable that yep, way, and yep. you do the best. I
3: I remember kind of one of my first experiences uh, was kind of comical in a way for me. I I was sent to survey a large yacht years ago, and uh, went aboard to meet the crew and so forth, and 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 take the boat out on an initial trial run. And uh, I quickly found out the, the man on board was not the captain. He was the chef. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the lady was the captain, I uh, quickly found out. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Hope he didn't say anything too drastic there. Yeah, no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. no. Yes, yeah, so it, it, there are certain uh, that, pre- that preconceptions was, that we that have. That was
3: 30 years ago, at yeah. least now. Huh.
2: So, so, just I, interesting. Yeah. I have uh, heard many stories about women who uh, let their husbands do the, the, the captaining, as it sorts, but then something happens to the captain, and they take yeah. over and do perfectly well and could have been. Well,
3: there there are famous old stories about that that are very interesting. And I, I hope my memories are correct. But I think that Captain Cressy's wife of the clipper ship Flying Cloud took command of that ship when her husband became very, very ill and she skippered the boat all the way from cape horn to california yeah to you San used to Francisco. have to go around the horn that was the and she uh, was definitely the navigator and definitely
2: in charge yeah <laughs> and that yeah. was a pretty fast boat too oh, yeah. i think it had yeah, the record okay. for yeah. around the horn yeah. i believe yeah yeah so yeah one eight hundred eight six six no one eight six six 625-9378 if you'd like to join it, in. It would talk. be
3: interesting to hear from some of these ladies that never get a chance to really speak
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. think we
3: should encourage that. Yeah,
2: well, I think we will. Again, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 9378 We have Fred from Rockland. Good morning, Fred.
4: Good morning. I'm just I'm on my cell phone. I'm just pulling over so I can give full attention and keep everybody else from getting hit.
2: Oh, good. We appreciate
4: uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Um, just wanted to put in a plug for a book, and I believe a local captain, the uh, local captain being uh, Skip Strong.
2: Skip Strong, yes. Yeah. The, the book yeah. is called In Peril.
4: Well, I, I saw his sh- slideshow. And after the slideshow, I felt like I'd seen a movie. I, it was so strong, so to speak, uh, what he did, and uh, just uh, I'm just getting a buzz. I, you know, just my spine's lighting up a little bit thinking about it. It was so powerful and great. And the other thing is a book by uh, Mr. William Langweish of uh, Airplane fame, and he wrote a book called The Outlaw Sea. Uh, subtitled Freedom, Chaos, and Crime, and uh, talk about a different world out there than here on this uh, uh, nice, safe shore of uh, Tennis Harbor in Rockland. So you've, you've, you've heard of that book?
2: I haven't heard of the second one. Can you could give us a little synopsis?
4: Um, oh, you mentioned the IMO. Or I believe it's is it, uh, the, or N- the ISO?
2: The IMO is the International Marine Organization. Right. He, the...
4: talks, he talks about that organization and uh, and shipwrecking over in India, that part of the world. And uh, what an eye-opener it is about all and the fact that so much of our stuff, uh, everything, is shipped uh, on, on ships all over the world. And uh, tens of thousands of ships a day uh, going around the planet. And uh, so I, I like uh, I like reading about what he wrote about. I like the way he writes, and uh, he writes about airplanes too.
2: <laughs> Sir Francis Chichester was also a, an airplane pilot too. You know? Uh huh.
4: Uh huh. Well, I, c- certainly sailing and flying go together. Uh, both dealing with wings that have slightly d- different sorts. Well,
3: I'll put a. Plug in for another book, I don't even know the correct name of it. It's just just out recently. It's a book uh, about all the local steamers uh-huh. uh, sailing and locally in this part of the world and it's by Robert Weatheron and uh, it's I know it's going to be interesting. I got to get my hands on it uh there's so many. Good marine books
4: out there. That uh, Uh. no no shortage there. (laughs) They had had to put them down. Yep, yep, yep. Well, my uh, my boats right now are a kayak and a canoe, and my dog goes in the canoe with me in the shallows, and uh, we have a wonderful time.
2: What kind of dog do you have?
4: Got a golden retriever uh, up in the bow, of, uh, looking around for uh, ducks and other wonderful things. And,
2: and he, he he behaves himself so you don't get too tippy?
4: I, he's, he's amazingly calm up there. He doesn't go after to bullies and ducks the way he used to. He just seems pretty uh, meditative.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've seen some uh, less than uh, sharp golden retrievers try to drag... Booy's back in again.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, my, my dog thought about it and maybe bit one a little bit, but yeah. didn't tip me over, fortunately. Okay.
2: Well, thank you for that, for that information on books. We'll have to check those out
4: and uh, right.
2: have a report next week. And, and,
4: and, 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 and Skip Strong, uh, his, his rescue has come out as a book.
2: It's called In Peril. Okay, yeah. okay, and I'll look for it. He is actually we interviewed him on Boat Talk many years ago. And I was quickly trying to look it up, but I, I, uh-huh. I can't find it, but I'll All right, well, I'll post well, it on the uh, on our Boat Talk Facebook page. Great, great. All right, okay. we have another phone call, Fred. Thanks.
4: Okay, thank you. Good, thank
2: you. Thank you. Let's go to Ann. Good morning, Ann.
5: Good morning. Thanks for uh, mentioning um that Lady Sailor earlier. Um, out, you know who uh, executed that rescue. Um, I'm calling uh, because I help administrate a group on Facebook called Women Who Sail. We're 8,700 members strong worldwide. mixture of cruisers, uh, sailors, power boaters, anything you can imagine, pal ships, captains, ASA instructors. And um, it's a great group, uh, women only, and an awesome place to communicate. And there's also a Maine Coast women sailors uh, group on Facebook as well. We're a couple hundred strong and um there's a lot of us who have done quite a bit of cruising and some of us who are in the dream stage. So it's there are a lot of women on the water and I appreciate giffy's comment that if we uh if we're given the opportunity we definitely take it and get on the water as much as possible.
2: Great. So um would you mention those names again for people who are want to write those down
5: sure thing the uh the closed women's group that's 8700 women strong is called women who sail you'll also see our birdies on the water um we do have folks who are all over the place and super friendly say hello if you see um a women who sail birdie and the other is Maine coast women sailors that's a facebook group as well
2: Oh, great. Two Facebook. we will have to make some links from the Boat Talk page, too. So sure, very thanks. good. Thank you for that information. And yeah. Uh, it's a nice day. I hope you get out on the water.
5: I hope so, too. Thanks
2: a lot. Sure. Thanks. Bye. Well, Giffy, I always like talking to women. They're just so happy, you know. Just some, some guys, seem like it's almost a struggle for them to get up and go out on the water, you know. Yeah, yeah. Too much work, all that sort of stuff. And
3: no, it's uh it's worth it's worth what you put into it that's that's for sure uh-huh i I'm in a rut of my own I enjoy just being out on the boat doing chores on it that yeah yeah
2: i i can I can relate part to of
3: that. a disease i guess
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah as so while we're talking about your boat, why don't you explain the winky windows that you have in there? I think there's a pretty neat little uh invention the winky windows your port lights that
3: oh oh, yeah yeah yeah. well they're hard to explain they're the simplest port in the world and they're tight and they work great and provide great ventilation it's just all all made out of wood and plexiglass
2: yeah it it's has two little wedges that that Drop yeah. down and hold yeah. the, the ends yeah, up when tight.
3: They, when they're open, there's two little wedges that lock them open.
2: On, put them on the yeah. between the, yeah. the, the, the plexiglass just and a the hole.
3: Just a very neat uh, way to have good ports. And they're watertight and they drain well and
2: easy to clean.
3: Easy to clean and easy to paint around. And, I haven't come up with anything I don't
2: like about them yet. <laughs> yeah. And, well, you've had quite a while to think about it. Um, speaking about uh, other boats that you've worked on, do you know the uh, the uh, USS Constitution is in dry dock right now?
3: Yes, yeah. I don't know much about it, but, yeah, she's in for major work. Yeah. And,
2: like as in replanking, maybe even some new uh, frames.
3: They're, they're, they're going to do everything. I can't tell you the details. I um, myself and my associate Paul Haley we surveyed her back in 1976, but I I don't know anything about it
2: since. Okay, well let's uh let's move on to um, you remember the old amphicars the uh, cars that were like part car part cart boat you could drive right into the water yeah, and, yeah. and float around they were
3: I've seen, I've seen them
2: yeah yeah well you you know what the tesla is the uh, the the all new electric car that's a very high end car yeah. the, supposedly one of the most safe cars in the world well elon musk who is the uh, the the president of tesla he, re- he reveals that the Tesla that they built, the S model, he says, um, that the S model actually floats well enough to turn it into a boat doesn't have a propeller you have to use your rear wheels just spinning around in the water to try to propel yourself and the the front wheels try to plow around doesn't sound (laughs) I don't think like anything I want (laughs) (laughs) well especially for the price but he uh he is so fascinated by the fact that his Tesla will actually go in the water that they're thinking about uh designing what they call a sports subcar that can actually drive on roads so he's planning on uh, making, I think, sort of a modern version of the old amphicars. Yeah. yeah. So um, remember last last month we had the two, two fellows on that were talking about the Harbor Fest and the boat building contest they're going yeah, to be having yeah. down there. Well, yeah. for people who uh, who maybe missed that or might be uh, thinking about doing it and want some more information, I have the uh, the, the uh, email address for the belfast harbor fest and they're going to have actually two boat building contests they have the more traditional build a punt thing with a uh, yep. semi-professional builders but it's all at, uh belfast harbor fest at com is where you can uh get uh information specific but they do have a web website too the belfast harbor fest um the other contest that they have there, which I didn't realize that they were having, they didn't talk about it, but it sounds pretty interesting to me, is a, um, a cardboard boat building. Have you ever seen cardboard boats being built? It's, it's kind of a, a phenomenon. It's been happening the last few years at all kinds of summer fests where people bring their own cardboard and duct tape and ideas and try to make a boat that they can uh, then well, row, the, row a certain yeah, distance. Yeah.
3: That's all well and good, but sometimes that gets carried away with it. First thing you know, somebody got themselves in trouble with it. Uh, Myself, I'm all for any program like that that teaches younger people to work with their hands and tools. And I think it's wonderful. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I, I... I had an experience out in British Columbia that I've never forgotten. Uh, I, myself and a, a friend of mine well-known, Bill Page, and I were invited to guests to go out on a little run on a, uh, about a 50, 55 foot wooden trawler uh, built by a man. and. Uh, We went out on this boat, and she was lovely. There's no question about it. She was lovely. And uh, I got aboard of her, and of course, I I couldn't help it. I had to nose around and and look her over and everything while the owner was up in the pilot house running her. She was just a nicely built boat, including the engine room. The engine was a show place. And... uh, so I got up in the pilot house, and I said, you know, who built this boat? He says, I did. I, what? Yeah. Yeah, I did. He said, well, to be truthful, he said, I built, I built the boat with school children. I said, that, that just about knocked the wind out of my sails. And, uh, but in fact, he did. And it took him nine years to build this boat and he worked with school children who were on the verge of getting into trouble they weren't interested in the traditional sports and he somehow or other collected these between six and eighty of these kids and got them interested in working with their hands and helping build this boat and he explained it in detail is how we accomplished this and i still had my doubts about it. And uh, so I I went, I was a guest of the designer of that boat. So I asked him when we got back to his house, did this man really build that boat with school kids? He said he absolutely did, absolutely. Huh. Now just yeah. think, he took these children that were, had no interest and... And took them and got them interested in working with tools in their hands, and and he gave them something that's gonna
2: something stay. positive to do. Gave yeah, something positive
3: to do, but it's gonna be with them all their lives.
2: Yes, yeah, that's great. And we have a couple of phone calls, Giffy. So I hate to cut you off. No, that's let's fine. That's that's fine. Go right to, uh, in in Newport, Rhode Island. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
1: Good morning i'm uh, I'm on my boat here in the harbor right ah. by the Newport Bridge
2: good. you have more information on women on the water for us
1: i do um I'm a woman on the water I've been living on my boat uh for about eight years now with my husband and three children, and we've been raising them while sailing around the world
2: so it's cool i we've We've met several kids who have been brought up on boats and they're all pretty much equally uh Very nice people and somewhat strange, too, in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) And interested. Uh, Yeah, interesting. That's a better way to put it. Thank you, Giffy.
1: Well, we felt this was a great way to help our kids understand uh, how privileged we are um, coming from the USA, how many opportunities we have, um, and to also see the world in a way that would stimulate their intellectual curiosity and their love of it, to protect yeah. it and protect the people.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's it's the opposite of what we talk about sometimes, the people getting their outdoor experience from the nature channel.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, being on a boat is, just, is, a, is an essential part of my life and um, uh, something that's been very close for our kids and something that I think as a woman on the water, I see as a very positive thing for my girls that uh, my two daughters have a kind of, uh, reliance, self-reliance, and independence, and self-confidence—that I see their teen peers often struggle with—and uh, and I think women on the water inspiring girls on the water is uh, is a, a great way to try to combat that.
3: Yeah. While you're there, around Newport, have That's you right. have you seen uh, a passenger boat there called the Gansett?
1: Um, you know, I haven't, but we only just got in late yesterday, so I haven't seen much yet.
3: Yeah, but she's there, uh, and that's a boat that was built on Cranberry Island uh, for my brother and myself.
1: Oh, very nice. I'll keep an eye
3: out for and we it. Had two. we had two of them, and that man there now, Jeff O'Brien, he has two of them. He has the Gansett. And I forget the the other one was, the, I think it's the Northeaster, East, North something I like that. I will
2: keep an eye out for the
3: gas, yeah. thank you
1: for the tip. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, thank you very much, too, Again, Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the water. Enjoy your day and the, the whole rest of your yes. year. Thank, the you. Other
3: quick thank com- you. The other quick comment I'd make. Uh, I believe that uh, youngsters working and living on a boat, but even working on a boat and having the opportunity to sail, uh, builds confidence.
1: Absolutely. I agree. It's a, and yeah. and so many things in our world can tear it down. And coming back to the U.S. after eight years away, I see how, um, how easy it is to, that people slide into constantly measuring themselves by what they have compared to what the person next to them has and i think that the confidence to just not care about that is one of the gifts of being on a boat
2: yes amen thank you very much thank you okay uh we have a, a special guest on the call uh if you were listening to boat talk last month we talked briefly about uh plastic in the water and the six-pack rings and how the animals get tangled up in them and everything we have uh Chris Gove of the Saltwater Brewery in Florida. They're the people who are making these bio- biodegradable six-pack rings. So we'll talk to him about that. Good morning, Chris. Welcome to Boat Talk.
0: Hey, good morning, Alan. Thanks for having
2: us on. Yes. Um so let's let's go from the very beginning. You, you, I'm sure, like a lot of us boaters, have seen the uh, terrible images, if not the actual real thing, of animals that get entangled in six-pack rings, and at some point, one of you, or maybe more or more than one of you, had the inspiration to say, well, let's see if we can do something about this. Why don't you go from there?
0: Absolutely. So, um, uh, right now, I'm out on the boat, so sorry if you hear some wind and some waves, uh just uh, doing a little work, uh, cleaning up, and also doing a little fishing in the meantime. Well, we'll but, um, get
4: we'll
2: to salt- cleaning up in a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Saltwater Brewery, uh, from inception, we're, we're a group of Native Floridians that have got together and uh, created a brewery. And it's really a marriage of our two passions, the ocean and beer. Uh, together, we kind of came together and saw that there was a big gap in the beer scene, and we wanted to help out uh, along with, uh, you know, have the focus on giving back to the ocean. So... Uh, from the beginning, we've always worked with charities, Coastal Conservation Association, Surfrider Foundation, Ocean Foundation, Moat Marine Lab, uh, Sea Gastro, A lot of a lot of local guys, a lot of um, larger national guys. But the, the whole message has been to give back to the ocean. So um, we got approached by a, co- a company to, to do something with an edible seaweed 6 But um, what happened is we looked at it and the scalability just wasn't there. So. We, got, we, we went back to the drawing board and figured out why not let's, uh, let's look at the brewing process and see if we can use anything. Um, that day, actually, our brew, uh, our um, spent gain, uh, grain brewer um, basically did not show up to come pick it all up. So everything from the brewery was uh, sitting there, and, and that's kind of when it all hit us that we should use that. Instead of uh, throwing it out, we should start using that as the substrate. So with that and the biopolymer and some compressed, wheat, we created that edible success.
2: So your material, as it were, is basically just uh, old or, or spent uh, barley, mostly?
0: Yes, yes. So during the brewing process, you start with four uh, raw materials, water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. So you, you, uh, you crack the barley open and put it into a large sun, and then you put the second ingredient the hot water in. It converts the starches into sugar, and then basically uh, it allows it to extract and put it into the water. Uh, then you strain it out and you're left with uh, the byproduct, which is the spent grain. So uh, that's what the uh, that's what the fibrous material is for the whole package. Uh,
2: are any of you uh, you four original uh, instigators uh, are any of you had a paper making experience before this?
0: No, actually not at all. It
2: sounds um, somewhat similar.
0: Very, very similar, actually. Um, you mill it up into a, a slower, smaller form, and then um, basically it's uh, that's how you start to add all the mixture together and then have an injection bowl. So.
2: so then from this mash, you you mold a, a six-pack ring that uh, gets put on the cans kind of wet and then it dries around the cans? Is that how it works? No,
0: no. Actually, it dries before. It's a press that dries it as it, it presses it. Um, so it snaps into place. Huh. It actually, uh, it has pretty good rigidity. Uh-huh.
3: I'd like to mention something else along the same lines. Is uh, I'm a big believer in putting nothing in the water th- that doesn't belong there. Uh, my, my own personal boat, no paper, none go overboard, or plastics. Furthermore, when uh, I'm on my boat or cruising, I pick up plastic bags out of the water if I see them. Yes. And when I go ashore someplace on one of these beautiful islands, I stick one of those stupid plastic bags in my pocket and pick up junk on the shore. And I think if we don't start taking care of this ocean of ours, we're going to lose it.
0: Absolutely, and that's our focus is really, you know, giving back to uh, the jewel of our life. Um, you know, we, we've been born and raised on the water. I've lived no, no more than 100 yards from the ocean my whole life, so it's uh, one of those things where I, I, uh, I'm, I'm more of a fish than, a, than an animal on, on the land. So I, uh, I really do see, you know, the, the impact it's had, and, and, you know, I'm sure all of you guys have seen it just as much. Uh, and that's why we kind of went to the source instead of just uh, the cleanup, which we all, you know, definitely give back and, and helps out. But we wanted to stop it at the source, and and that's our mission: to go after straws and and a bunch of other plastic bags and other forms of uh, single-use plastic, which is, is the terminology they're calling it. So anything that's just used once that doesn't biodegrade right away is, is basically a detriment to the environment.
2: Very interesting. Um, you probably don't realize it, Chris, but this is a call in show, too. We have a lot of other people listening, and then uh, some people may uh, want to call in and ask you a question, too. So if we interrupt you, it's uh, just. Because. Absolutely.
0: Whoever would like to ask, I'm, I'm, I'm here for questions.
2: Yeah. So um, as Giffy was saying, he doesn't like putting even paper in the water. I think, um, try to come to your defense somewhat. This isn't even paper, it's actually food, isn't it? I've seen some videos of yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the um, it's got protein in it. And it's got a bunch of different um, minerals and, and uh, vitamins. And the idea is, uh, you're correct. I, I totally agree that nothing should end up in the ocean. We're just trying to uh, solve a problem that does not seem to be, you know, going away at all.
2: Well, we all um, agree that plastic is a big problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the idea is to just try, just to try not let it uh, build up to where we can't even go collect it. Cause, you know, diving down a couple hundred feet is a lot harder than than just letting it biodegrade and, and hopefully mix throughout the current. So, oh,
2: so Giffy has a question
3: uh, yeah, for you. Um, I had uh, the, uh, was fortunate in that I did some work for Jacques Cousteau. Yes, sir. And he told me uh, he said that they were doing some kind of a research project down off the coast of Brazil, for instance, and. The water was very, very milky, and they couldn't figure out what what it was. So, they took samples and examined it in their laboratory, and it was wa- it was paper. It was paper. Mm. Paper, yeah. yeah wow. And, and that taught me a lesson right there. And. Uh, hmm.
0: the, Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, the Fabian decided so Society reached out to us, the OSHA Learning Program and Center, so we're we're working with them on spreading the word. Uh, again, this is um, a solution to existing problem. Uh, nothing's perfect right away, but we're, we're definitely going to have iterations towards the uh, the most environmental friendly uh,
2: approach. Have you so. ha- have you had any uh, other um, six pack container kind of uh, well foods? Food companies approach you for for uh, making rings for other kinds of besides
0: beer yeah yeah I mean there's uh, imagine any sort of can and they contacted us so all different types of beverage companies um, even beyond beverage companies so we're looking into uh, <coughs> expanding into a lot of different packaging markets with this, uh, technology
2: good well I hope you do well in that front um,
0: thank you very much Alan
2: well well, well uh, we have you down here in Delray Beach, just north of uh, Miami, uh, right in the center of uh, the green slime. Oh, we have a call. So before we go to the green slime, let's uh
4: yeah go yeah, to, no worries.
2: <laughs> go to uh, Fred in Rockland. Good morning, Fred.
4: Good morning again. Yes. Um, I'm wondering about the uh, larger plastic industry. Is there any talk of uh, moving towards uh, biodegradable plastic rather than the uh, stuff that they make now.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure whether it's call it moving or pushing, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Let's we'll see if Chris can answer that. Chris, what do you So, saying?
0: are you saying, I'm sorry, just uh, to reiterate, you're saying, uh, what are the big guys in the plastic industry doing to kind of become more biodegradable? Right, right. Um, so. Uh, You know, it's kind of an uh, – I would say they're trying to be more biodegradable, but at the same time, they're very happy, you know, with the way they have their business running. Right,
4: So
0: I feel like it's more of a forced um, hand than it is uh, their own opinion.
4: Right, Um, right.
0: So that's the difference between us, you know, from the beginning. That's all we care about. They're just doing Uh it to appease the the masses, so –
4: all right, well, it's wonderful that you're doing what you're doing, and uh, keep pushing. Cause the, yeah. Thank you, Fred. Right, thank okay, Fred. thank you.
2: Cheers. No, thank you, Fred. So, Chris, we're going to go to uh, the green slime story.
0: Uh, uh, I, yeah, so um, the green slime has been a, a huge impact on our local waters here. Um, we definitely felt it firsthand. Uh, we actually had a... a, a my, my fiance's birthday party was this weekend and we all went out on the boat and went to a sandbar and we definitely saw residual evidence of the algae. Um, so it's very frustrating, but it really has to do with the legislative aspect and, and the, the government working with uh, the sugar companies to really kind of uh, the move the, the holding waterways. There's a large buildup of excess uh, minerals and, and different sort of uh, fertilizers and, and all, the, all, all these Super rich, nutrient-based um, <laughs> sources, and then they get released into our waterways, and then this kind
2: of chain reaction occurs. Yeah. It uh, puts a whole new meaning to uh, down in Florida raising cane, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So uh,
2: when I spoke to you a few days ago, you said your boat was out of the water. Is there, Are you on your own boat or somebody else's?
0: Um, uh, we have another boat. Uh, my buddy, we're on a 35 contender, uh, double 300 Suzukis, which are awesome. I mean, this thing is awesome. Oh, it's a pleasure to get out here. So right now, we've uh, we hooked up a few fish uh, while we've been cleaning up. Got a couple pieces of trash out of the water. Uh, and we're doing it uh, again, uh, ourselves, Stallwater Brewery, and we're working with a, a, another brewery from Florida, Copper Tail Brewing. So they're, uh, they're also ocean-based. So we're just uh, working together to do collaboration brews and spread the word.
4: Hmm.
2: All right. Well, uh, thank you for your good work, Chris. I, I appreciate you what you're doing for the for the uh, water and the world. Um, one one quick question though. Of uh, we sort of yep, do a uh, you know, uh, uh, unscientific survey of uh, up here, what, uh, the plastic we see in the water, I think, is primarily either styrofoam cups or disposable diapers seem to be the top of the list. Uh, what are your two most common plastics in the water you find there?
0: Our, our most common ones right now I'd say are our uh, uh, plastic bags and straws actually S- straws so, mm. in, in terms of uh, actually finding them around yeah the straws are, are pretty prevalent around here um it's just uh it's a it's a weird thing you know the turtles always end up in them and uh, but I, I have heard a lot of things the styrofoam we do we've already passed a pieces of styrofoam picked them up um, it's more so that the styrofoam so hard to stop because once it starts breaking up, it just keeps
2: going. Yeah, yeah. goes into microplastic. So thanks again, Chris. Um, I'm sorry we don't have any saltwater brewery up here to sample, but I'll have to speak to, <laughs> speak to some of my friends down in Florida. And uh,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to get you some samples up there soon enough, and we'll be uh, moving up the East Coast distribution. So oh, um, I'll, I'll be sure to give you guys a shout when we're sending them up.
2: Very good. Thanks again, awesome,
0: Chris. Awesome, Alan. Thank you very much. Sure.
2: Bye. <clears throat> well, Giffy, there's somebody is trying to do something for the planet, good to yeah. get plastic. Well,
3: that, not only really that, but it's some some of it is very simple that every everybody could do very easily with no, no hardly any effort. Yeah,
2: you know? yeah. We have we have you know the beach cleanups, but one day a year when yeah. we going on. but uh that's only one day a year
3: and and I'll, I'll say something else for a group of people all these schooner captains on the coast of Maine they've gotten together over the years and cleaned up all kinds of junk off of the islands
2: yeah, yeah. they they do I'll give shout out to those schooner captains they do they send people uh, with plastic bags in their pockets yeah. ashore too and yeah. and tell them to do their do a good thing uh here's one thing I should have spoken to Chris about and uh, forgot about but it's still kind of interesting uh, it's the headline here is scientists that may have possibly made beer from a bottle found in a 220 year old shipwreck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. off of off of Australia uh, the Queens uh, the Museum in uh, Tasmania the Queen Victoria Museum the uh, uh, brought up all kinds of bottles of various things from this merchant ship and uh, two of the bottles that they, they were afraid the uh, cork was going to decompose. So they opened the bottles up and poured it into better containers. And, uh, Sample. They drank it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if two hundred I don't think I'd be a little afraid of that, but yeah. uh they did take the uh, the yeast from that and made a whole new batch of beer, fresh beer with the uh, with the antique yeast. So they're gonna start a whole new uh new craft industry now. <laughs> antique beer. One eight hundred one excuse me, one eight six six 625-9378 is the number in the Boat Talk here on Community Radio, yeah. WERU-FM, Blue Hill. We're here with uh, Captain Giffy Full, a renowned boat surveyor for uh, many years, now retired, and uh, your rusty anchor, Alan Sprague. Again, 1-866-625-9378 if you have anything that you'd like to talk about on Boat Talk. Uh I was unable to find the Skip Strong uh, interview on Boat Talk. It happened probably over 10 years ago now. But uh, if you go to the Boat Talk Facebook page, which is Facebook, and look up Boat Talk, uh, I'll see if I can put a post there later today with, with that that interesting marine salvage story. Are you familiar with Skip Strong salvage story? Oh, don't? I
3: most certainly am, and I've been by where that took place many many times
2: Oh really is it very shoaly there Yeah
3: yeah Boy. A, it could be a bad place I, I yeah I've seen I've one time I saw the water was 35 feet deep and we were just outside of it and it was breakers at 35 Ooh. feet Ooh
2: wow yeah. that's
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> that's some big water isn't it Yeah yeah, yeah.
3: good place uh, to miss
2: so your boat is in the water do you keep it at a uh, on a slip or a mooring No oh, no 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 i keep her on a mooring and have a little punt that you roll uh, yeah, out to yeah, it every I, day I,
3: yeah no when
2: I you said do you right like to putty around on your boat do you bring it into a slip or you just work on the mooring oh,
3: well no i work right on the mooring i did have to bring it in yesterday to plug in a vacuum cleaner.
2: <laughs> I was going to say that yeah. how battery tools have become yeah, a very yeah, very handy yeah. for for mariners. But
3: a big vacuum cleaner is a different ball game. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. You yeah. doing your bilge?
3: No, yeah. no. I'm just going to paint the console, and uh, but it's a lot of gadgetry around it, and uh, you just got to have a vacuum cleaner to get the yeah. Sand the
2: console is a. Uh, right under your front window, so it takes a lot of sun. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 But there must be somebody out there with a serious boat problem this morning we can help with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We, uh, I'll tell you one problem that, and you, uh, you agreed with me on this one that the, some fellow called and said that his boat was on the hard right now, but th- he bought it last the year before, and he had a hard time tacking around one way. He could tack around easily. I forget which way it was. We'll say to the port. But if he tried to tack around to the starboard, the boat would stall out, and he wanted to know what the problem was and Mike was saying that he thought maybe it was something in the rig or the, the sails pushing it and uh, yeah. my comment was that the keel was probably out of line yeah. with the center line of the boat
3: well I had one experience like that uh, with a new sizable yacht that she tacked very well on one side and and very poorly on the other you know and they couldn't figure out what's wrong with the boat so we they, they hauled her out for the second or third time trying to figure it out, and they had me come down and look at it. And uh, just simply, they, they were taking the wrong approach to figuring it out. It's, it's no yeah. whiz kid thing. It's just that they put a plumb bob, hang a plumb bob, for, get the boat level.
2: So they were trying to figure out how to and, check, yeah, see if the, the keel was straight?
3: and the keel was was on was on put on the boat crooked. Yeah. And then not only was it crooked, but it was canted off to one side. Mm-hmm. And and they wanted to know how to fix it. And I said, "Well, in this case, you got to get a new keel." Yeah. Because uh, the keel bolts were were in this keel when they poured it. In other words, they are J shaped and they were in the in the lead. Oh yeah, no
2: s- no unturning them then. So oh.
3: it's quite a job. They just got a new keel and filled all the old holes. Fiberglass boat, chopped yeah. glass, and then
6: bored new holes.
2: Yeah, well we have uh, Captain Yo on the phone, so let's go to that one. Good morning, Yo.
6: Good morning. I had a similar experience with Annie McGee, and it sort of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if it was the last show or the previous one, when Giphy said, well, it matters which the prevailing wind is because particularly for a sailboat, you sit on a mooring and you're sort of always facing the same way. So when the vessel turned better to port than to starboard, I, I couldn't quite figure it. I checked the rudder. I checked the rig. I, I looked over the side. I didn't really see anything. But come haul out, what I found was there was a bunch of mussels growing underneath the port bilge where I couldn't see it from on deck. And what was really interesting about it was, it must have been 50 pounds of mussels, big as a basketball. <laughs> and they yeah. were all growing on one tiny little thread in a, in a patch of bottom paint that had gone off smaller than a square inch. They weren't all over. They were just hanging from this one little attachment. All of them. A huge ball of mussels and he was just plain pulling me to port and keeping me from turning to starboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So i it's, it's hard to see what's going on under there.
2: Really? Yep. You got hidden muscles pushing yeah. you well, around. Well, I've
3: seen similar things. Uh, I've seen that a lot. But I've seen similar things. Was a, a boat I trial ran down in Fort Lauderdale, and the engine was smoking. Oh, it was just smoking heavy and the the buyer was on board and he said oh the engine in this boat is bad it's bad and i said i don't think so i don't think so and when we got her hauled out the propeller was nothing but a big ball Uh of barnacles boy yeah huh yeah just experiences that that help you along the way, you know?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you Giffy for coming on board and thank you fellas for putting on this show and thank you to everyone for supporting community radio.
2: Thank you, Captain Yo. So let's uh, talk a bit. Remember we were talking about bottom paint last, last month and, uh, how copper is, uh, not really good for the environment and, uh, you were talking about other alternatives to yeah. a bottom paint. So we're on the topic uh, of
3: bear in mind I'm not a chemist. Bottom growth. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of water based paints they're using now and they seem to be working. All I can say. Yeah, Yep. Yeah. I haven't
2: heard any really And the bad other
3: reports. thing the, the paint I use on my boat now is an ablative paint and you don't have to paint the bottom every year. Really? I know. I know of cases where the bottom paint has lasted for three years.
2: Hmm. This is for a, a private boat, not one that's going out every day. Working? Oh
3: no, private boat. Yeah, private, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've seen places up in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, where they don't even paint the bottom of the boat.
2: Really? Yeah. They just off. The a
3: fiberglass boat. They put her on the beach and scrub the bottom.
2: Just haul it and scrub the bottom yeah, every every few bottom. months, yeah. huh? Yeah, seems like after a while your wood would start to go away.
3: No, I know that's a plastic fiberglass oh, boat. yeah. yeah. Oh no. no. Worms, worms can can do a wicked job on a boat. Ah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I I was. Surprised. Depends where
3: the boat lays, and you know, in the old days, uh, a big a big vessel, the captain loved to get her up into a freshwater river. Kills the worms and kills some of the growth.
2: Right. Yeah. Same thing yeah. for the broad o- yeah. lakes in Nova yeah. Scotia too. Yeah. People go in there for a. Yeah free bottom job i wonder what the bottom of the lake starts to look like after a while after all this sea life starts dropping
3: well i i don't know but uh, you know they say that up in the great lakes uh, the 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 wrecks that are on bottom have lasted an awful lot longer than a boat sunken salt water yeah huh Talk about interesting things. Down at Brooklyn Boat Yard, there's a very large anchor down there, left there temporarily. I think, I don't want to speak out of turn, I think it's going to Searsport Museum. It's a 1,000 pounds. It was lost by a brigate frigate over in Casco Passage. Uh, and it was recovered by a scallop dragger, caught up by a scallop Ooh. dragger, in 1986.
2: Must have been a load to pull in, huh?
3: And and uh, yeah, and it's uh, you
2: know it's,
3: it was an old anchor because it had a had a wooden stock.
2: Still, huh? Yeah.
3: Well, I I think that stock had been. I don't know the history of it since it was recovered but i think that stock would probably replaced. yeah yeah
2: but you can see where it was that anyway you know.
3: huh. it's possible all kind of things happen if it was possible that it was buried in the mud yeah it might last a mm-hmm. long time that's right it does uh... i mean traditionally morons heavy morons heavy bottom chain if it's been in the mud Last a long
2: time. Well, yeah, Louis will go back to that beer bottle that was two hundred and twenty years old yeah, with a yeah. cork that's still okay. Yeah, yeah. That must have been buried in the but yeah. Cork doesn't dissolve in two hundred and twenty years. That's yeah. that's quite yeah. a quite a good yeah. thing. Well depends. Some places are wormier than others. Yeah, worms. Yeah, they seem to be coming north too. I don't remember many people talking about worms, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, but oh yeah they they had they had worms i was impressed by a a,
3: that's why years ago ships had their bottoms coppered right coppered a good coppering job lasts 20 years sure 20 years
2: It's a lot thicker than paint that's for sure
3: yeah it's a big vessel that i was uh, been involved with uh, the gazelle and she has her bottom coppered, and when I surveyed her, it had been coppered for twenty some years, and it was beginning to go.
2: Hmm. Yeah, the 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 the, the uh, nails let go first.
3: No, nope. no, no. The nails, the nails are bronze or copper too. You know, mm-hmm. you know?
2: So they go the same. No,
3: the copper just eats up, and it gets chewed up eventually.
2: Yeah. Well, there's chemical reactions going on there.
3: Okay. Copper lasts a long time.
2: Yeah, copper seems to be the way. We'll, so we'll be very happy, though, when we can come up with something that works as good as copper but doesn't um, yeah. kill as many organisms. Well, we're just about up to the end of the uh, boat talk for this month. I have to uh, <clears throat> remind people to... Uh, you're listening online right now because we're off the air, but if you're listening online, you can go back and hear uh, any uh, of the, well, not quite any, but most all of the Boat Talks that have been produced here at WERU by going to weru.org, then go to the Public Affairs Archives, which is kind of in the center of the ho- homepage there, and click on that, and there's be a whole list of uh, Boat Talk editions by date, so you can listen to anyone that you care to or anyone you want to play and drive, drive some of the old in-laws out of the house and make them go for a hike. That works, too. So thanks to uh, Amy Brown down in the engine room for, for uh, driving WERU for this week, and thanks to Giffy Full, too, for coming in and being on Boat Talk. It's been, it's been good. This is Alan Sprague. Thanks for uh, supporting Community Radio. Till next month. We'll see you.